I was losing my soul within the world of money, power, and greed. And I didn't know I was losing my soul when that gentleman said that to me. And I, my, my eyes started to tear up. He said, oh, the ice queen cries. That was a memory of mine. And I thought, I am not that, but I'm portraying myself as that. So what is real here? Am I the ice queen? And what is Irma? Who is Irma? your host, Anemalikian. And before we start with today's show, please remember to visit mindset.zone. Yes, instead of .com, it's .zone. There you can find all the episodes and other amazing resources, all at mindset.zone. After a very successful career in Wall Street, Irma Jennings decided to become a holistic health coach, specializing in helping women with osteopenia and osteoporosis to strengthen their bones from the inside out through healthy foods and lifestyle changes. And it's truly my pleasure to have her here today for this mindset zone. So, welcome. Thank you, Anna. It's so nice to be here with you. We have been through a long journey together, so I'm glad that I could be here for you with this. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. We know each other for about 10 years now. And it's fascinating that I always am learning new things about you. Uh, and I knew that uh, you had then a successful career in Wall Street, but tell us a little bit about uh, the uh, that that journey. How uh, how did you end up working in Wall Street to start up? Uh, I will say this: my Wall Street career started on a very low level. I came into the business as a secretary, uh, working for a high-profile salesman. And from there, my curiosity got the better of me. And then I advanced to the trading desk. We, we were in a different aspect of the market. We were in the tax-free municipal bond market, which is what finances, bridges and tunnels, basically the infrastructure of our country, schools, roads, um, and various other municipalities to help their, them balance their budget. So I was on the trading desk. And then from there, I had an opportunity to I made a couple of steps, uh, jumps from there, and I had the opportunity to start a new bond department at Lazard Frere, which is a well-known um, merchant bank um, that has quite a reputation, although they're very quiet about their success. So let me slow down because I think there is very interesting things here. So when you start, so even entering in a startup position like a secretary, did you choose that you want to be a secretary in Wall Street or happen to be the, the job available at the time? All during the course of my career, women, women have picked me up and said, let me walk you here. Let me take you to this door that needs to be opened. We'll open it together. So I was offered an opportunity to interview on Wall Street. I had no idea. Um, I'm really about too much until I got there and my curiosity was on fire. Uh, so 
if we see mindset as the our the glasses through which we see the world and the the beliefs that uh, in many ways determine the way that we see ourselves and the world at an unconscious and conscious level because there is dimensions that we are aware of and there's not so much when you think back to that moment in your life that you had this opportunity somebody nod you and say okay apply to this job and then you feel curious what do you think that was your way of seeing the world at the time it's always been a driver for me as far as what what is beyond this and what's beyond that and in wall street that's defined as being aggressive and um i i no longer look at my curiosity as far as being aggressive but um, as a way to understand people deeply. So the curiosity on Wall Street was, I could do this. Can I do this? I went through a lot of self-doubt as far as mindset zone or the mindset, um, some insecurity because I am a woman on Wall Street in the 70s. This is from the 70s to the 90s. Uh, women's liberation movement was coming on strong. It was very militant at the time. Um, so I had a couple of people that were women bringing me to meetings and I thought, mm, this isn't exactly for me, but yet I want equality. So I felt um, that we had a small group of women that were fighting for equality in Wall Street and those were uh, my mentors. So when I leaned into that aspect of equality and I can then learn about sales and then learn about so many other aspects about the municipal bond market, um, then I rose to um manage the sales force. Um, and that was an interesting position that I had. I don't think I was completely equipped for that. My curiosity was always there in the room as I was talking to each salesperson, what's your challenge? How can we deal with it? How can I support you? Um, so that the curiosity was the mindset that I said had shifted as I matured. It went from self-doubt to why can't I do this? And I can do this. And get out of my way. I can do this. I will say one thing during that road, I found that I was getting tougher and tougher. And one of my salespeople said to me, Irma, you're the ice queen. And I said, what? Oh yeah. You have no emotions. And that was a tipping point for me because I realized that I was playing in a man's world in a man's way. And that was not my way, but I wasn't really sure what my way was. So, so changing the speed here, tell me a little bit again, I find this fascinating in terms of uh, we start working there. So curiosity is this current, uh, the ongoing team, the, the thread that unites a lot of who you are, being curious about human nature and about how things work. And when you start working there in the 70s, there was a lot of self-doubt. So you and what I'm so how that that self doubt spoke to you because self doubt was always that inner critical voice that nags you as how do you remember what was the uh, that con internal conversation? The internal conversation was based on you are a secretary and that has been hovering over me throughout my career. In fact, one of the um, one of my sales managers said to me when I was producing exactly the same as my um, fellow uh, fellow colleagues said, Irma, I can't pay you the same for two reasons. First of all, 
you're a woman and you don't have a family. And I said, I didn't choose for the, my colleagues to have families, to have children. That has nothing to do with my production. And he said, and two, you were a secretary once. And I said, what, how, how dare you? How dare you? And he was feeding into my little bit of self-doubt that was still shining. This is early on in my career, but that, that was, so that needed to be home. That skill of, I'm curious, I can learn this. Oh, do I deserve to learn this? Let go of that, break through the barrier. And my barrier that I broke through is that I was as productive as my um, peers. And, and, more so. and along that journey, you become more self-confident you become assertive uh, and you start to be promoted. And uh, then there was a point that the people that you, you were leading call you the ice queen. I was losing my soul, Anna. I was losing my soul within the world of money, power, and greed. And I didn't know I was losing my soul when that gentleman said that to me and I, my, my eyes started to tear up. He said, oh, the ice queen cries. Um, so that was a memory of mine. And I thought, I am not that, but I'm portraying myself as that. So what is real here? Am I the ice queen or am I Irma? And what is Irma? Who is Irma? So at that time, uh, you were, uh, were you already married and with uh, a child or was not? Or Yes, I, I was married. I, um, Actually, that's quite an interesting moment. I was married. I took time off to have Andrew, who's now 33. And I returned to work after three months out. And I said to my boss, here's the deal. I'm going to express my milk in your office, in your private bathroom. He said, okay, Irma, okay, Irma, whatever you want to do. I said, and I don't want you to talk about it. I don't want you to make reference to the size of my breasts. I don't want any of that. I just want you to honor what I'm doing here. He said, absolutely, absolutely. And it was, that was an empowering moment. But yeah, I had, I had a, a young family, a young child and, and a husband at that point. And uh, so you were like in the, uh, full in Wall Street in all the stress and eye achieving and uh, uh, trying to coordinate family life, kids and work. And you are pushing yourself to the limits, I imagine. To the limits, so much so that when I came home, my husband was also on Wall Street. So when I came home from work, I would turn on the TV for the Wall Street wrap-up. He would be in the bedroom with a Wall Street wrap-up. Andrew would be in front of a television set with like a frozen meal that was defrosted in the microwave, eating in front of the TV set. My Aunt Ruby, who came to visit me, said, Irma, you're not eating at the table as a family. I said, oh, no, 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 you don't understand. This is, I'm an executive, so is my husband. And no, we don't have time for that. He said, she said to me, that has got to change. You've got to come to the table as a family. That was another major shift. That was another very, very gentle, but strong woman who said, mm -mm, none of that. This has got to stop because you'll lose your family. And she was so right. So we came to the table. My son was screaming, how dare you change this? I want to be in front of the TV. So I had to fight that resistance. And um, my husband was on the same page. We came to the table. We talked. We had open conversations about feelings. How was your day today? I would take notes. We would have family meetings. It became uh, a celebratory moment of getting to know each other deeper. So uh, that uh, observation of your uh, Auntie Ruby Uh, really was like a wake, uh, really prompt to for you to do something different. 
Right, right. It's these magic moments that drop in that say, guess what? It's time to go left, not straight anymore, because straight is not working for you. It's time to go left or right, but it's time to shift. And, and I love that by what you're describing, you even were taking notes. You still we were using a, a lot of your Wall Street mindset. <laughs> Of being, <laughs> but the, well, with a different direction. That was actually, I, I had taken a parenting class. I took a parenting class for 10 years, and that was all about the family table and coming together in conversation, how to open up, especially with a, a young boy, how to help him communicate in uh, uh, from the emotional uh, vocabulary. So the taking notes, <laughs> I think that that's just part of who I am. I take notes. Yeah. And the, the parenting class happened before or after that observation of your aunt? Oh, that happened after the observation with my aunt. Um, yeah. So, so that was like the catalyzer for you that I have to do something different. And then you start to learn about what that something different could be. And part of that process was the parenting classes. Well, the way you describe it, it sounds very linear and Nothing in my life is really linear because that's not the way it shows up. It shows up as, wait a minute, something's not working. What, what needs to shift? And then it appears. So there's a level of trust that's an important piece to this conversation because so many of us know that we have to change. But if we think about change or pivoting, it's so overwhelming. The canvas is too wide to even consider So I had to sit in the trusts of, I call it the whispers. And those were the redirective um, moments that helped me pivot. So a lot is like you have these kind of moments, like when uh, uh, somebody that was a direct report call you the ice queen, and that really was almost like ice pick in your heart really hurt. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> uh, so you felt it, but the, uh, and th there was like these nudges of the whispering situations. And like you say, yes, change usually is not linear. When we think about when we put it in a narrative, we can make it more prettier and linear, but reality is much more messy. So yeah. what are, were the other wake up calls? Well, my health, my health was declining. Um, I was diagnosed with a couple of scenarios. I had uh, an ulcer. I had um, I had digestive issues, major digest digestive issues. I had joint pains, and then I was diagnosed with osteopenia, and that set me on my journey of uh, really searching out my own health. At that point, I had I took the parenting classes for many many years, actually ten years. <clears throat> I needed a fair amount of help with that because there's no manual when you have a child. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> So um, from there, I went back to school. I left Wall Street and went to the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. And again, let's press. Let's. I, I want to do slow motion in these change um, okay. in these change points because you, you are receiving these nudges. You are trying to change things, and then there is like almost it's almost the metaphor of the glass being full drip by drip. But in some ways, like the health issue was like a bucket of water that was pouring the glass that you had to do something about. Couldn't ignore it. Couldn't ignore it. And the migraines was the other thing that I forgot to mention. They were debilitating. They brought me to the hospital. So, yeah, there were 
many, many wake up calls around health issues. So, so was no way for you to push through the, it. The, your body was telling you, okay, you push already too much. Now you have to listen yeah. to what I have to say. Yeah, with resistance. <laughs> <laughs> and so did you start, so you decide to learn about, you start to do the training in holistic nutrition yes. as you were in Wall Street or you decide to resign and then uh, tell me a little bit more of that messiness there of that transition. So the messiness of that transition was the, I actually left Wall Street, knew I wanted to work because I'm a working mother and decided to go to work for the woman who runs the parenting company. Oh. I worked for her for 10 years. And um, that connection with Julie, Julie Ross was her name, is her name, um, opened up profoundly how I could be a better parent. Um, so from there, I went to the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. That was in 2003. So you left Wall Street, you start working in this company that you already you, you were first a client and then you work with them you learn even more yes. and you kept that learning journey and then was in your own search search, search for a, a solution to your health issues that the integrative nutrition became part of oh this must be the thing i was given bad advice uh, by the medical world um, and the medical world is a very very important partner um, but I was giving a bunch of medications for my migraines, for my ulcer, for my, the last one was, and I wasn't taking, I took the, the migraine medicine because it was too debilitating, but I had rebound migraines after the, um, the, the medicine. So that wasn't working. Um, then I, I was given a script for Fosamax from my gynecologist because after my Dexatess and with osteopenia, he said, um, oh, you'll be an old crippled lady. So that was the fear factor. And I said, ah, I need to try this. I need to try this on my own for a while. And that's what I tell my clients now. Let's let's not rush to the meds. The meds might be ultimately where you have to go, but let's not rush there so quickly. So I changed my diet, but so many things had to change. And I didn't want, I was like enough with the change. But that was me being the victim. And I knew that I had to leave my marriage, right? I had to, am I rushing the story here? No, 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 no. I, I think it's fascinating it's because it's all, again, what you were saying before, the messiness of things. Mm -hmm. And you start to, um, so you decide to leave your career in Wall Street, You um, you went to uh, keep working, but something that was possibly more uh, on purpose. Right. And you that. were, uh, <laughs> and then you were doing. How do you say? Keep learning, keep searching, and for the health issues, like is the curiosity again. You decide to study nutrition, even doing a program. Uh, And uh, during that journey, you are learning about foods, you are learning about your body, and you are learning about yourself in terms of self-development. And part of that journey and part of their changes was deciding to get divorced. You said something that I want to go back to, which was purpose. So mm -hmm. I knew the purpose of my having a child is to raise a healthy child. So the purpose was, I don't know what to do here. Um, 
So that's what brought me to the the parenting classes. Um, the purpose for the health was what can I do for me and use the doctors as a guide, but I will be the sage. I will be the center and I will choose who I want to partner with. Um, and so that was helpful uh, because I went to school to realize that I had that power to do that because again, on purpose, it's my life, it's my bones, it's my health. How do I drive that? Um, but then you asked me something else, Anna. Uh, so the journey there that, uh, so your purpose uh, really um, embracing your power. So is my child, is my health. Mm -hmm. And uh, you were acquiring knowledge about uh, the nutrition, about your body and about yourself. Mm -hmm. The point that you realized that the change also implied some uh, was always personal development. But the part of the journey of your journey of personal development was decided that the best for you was to divorce. Yes, that was um, that was something we both came to that conclusion with, and it was an important yet painful uh, moment in our history together. Um, we were going through a divorce as a family. I was going through menopause and my son was going through adolescence and I call it affectionately the trifecta yes. of, of life. Um, but the divorce was, was important to go through. And again, it was not an easy thing. It wasn't an easy transition, even though we were both on the same page, we were both holding on to I think we were grieving, holding on to what was and that what can't be. And uh, uh, at that time, were you already done with the studies? Uh, were you already a holistic health coach or you were still doing it, uh, doing the process to get certified? I was certified already, but the study continues and it continues and continues. There's always so much to learn, but yeah. Um, but then the, the next major pivot was leaving a city that I adored, which was New York City. And I lived there for 37 years and I knew it was time to leave. And how did you knew that was time to leave? I wasn't relating to the people anymore. The, the Wall Street created a dynamic conversation about money power and, oh my gosh, you're a woman on Wall Street. I'm so over that. Um, I mean, I look at that moment in my history as... It's now just a story. It doesn't define me anymore. But so we, I wasn't relating to the people anymore. And it was becoming more and more expensive uh, to live in New York City. In Manhattan is where I, I chose to live. So after 37 years, I, I packed up my bags. And you went to Philadelphia, correct? I did. I did. At 59, I went to Philadelphia knowing one person. And I thought I could do this. My son was in college. He was actually had graduated from college. And I knew I, I knew I had to do this. I was afraid to do it. But I, I just put the fear aside and thought, what could happen? <laughs> I'll take a try. So it was a great experience. And, um, but then I felt lonely. And I, I sat in my loneliness. And I realized I was working too hard on my business. And that's all I was doing, eating and working um, and going to Whole Foods. Um, so, then, so you are you are eating more healthier. Yeah. You are doing something more on purpose, yeah. but you are still in the workaholism kind of a pattern. The workaholic, yes, absolutely, was the pattern um, that I thought. Well, you know, that's interesting because that's where it came from on Wall Street. I wasn't enough. 
right? I was the secretary. So I had to work extra hard. I was the first one in, the last one out. I was overproducing. I was just, just grinding it out. Um, and that, that mentality was with me for a long time. I had to work a little bit harder and it was feeding the workaholism and which is one of the addictions that I would like to let go of. <laughs> <laughs> and then how, what happened there? So you are feeling lonely, you're feeling too much work, work, work. And then what was the transition point there? Well, I thought about purpose and I thought about how do I want to live my life? And I, I was living alone. I lived alone before I met my husband. Um, and now I'm living alone again. And I'm thinking, do I like this? Do I like living alone? No, I don't. So I knew that I would like to live with someone. I don't want to get married. Um, so I had put the intention out there that I want to live communally. And it happened to come together uh, with a, she was a client at the time. And she had recently lost her husband and I was her health coach. And I came and spent time with her in New Hope. And um, I said to her, so what do you think if I spent a couple of weekends here? And she said, that's fine. And then I said to her, what do you think if I move in? She said, okay, that's fine. You know, what was interesting about it is that it was easy. It wasn't mm -hmm. like, oh my God, do we have to sign a contract? Blah, 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 blah. It was like, okay. So I, I realized that once I looked at my purpose again and said, well, what is my purpose? I don't want to live alone because if I live alone, then I close down. I'm an extrovert. I need to be around people. I need to be around community. Um, so what if I moved to New Hope, which was the perfect place to live, the land of hope, New Hope, Pennsylvania. Yes. It is so idyllic and perfect here. For I, I had no idea that I wanted to live in the country. Yeah. So there's that. And that is fascinating because you always uh, have a drive and by your telling uh, all these uh, changes, there is this drive. Uh, but a lot on, in the beginning in Wall Street was you pushing, pushing, pushing and really break the ground and break the glass ceiling and get things done. And now you are describing a more pulling energy was more a flowing, more your things were happening in the way that, you know, I like how it's changing, is happening, but was in a more, almost more organic and natural way. That's true. That is true. It was magic. It was new hope. Yeah. <laughs> it was hope in a new way. Um, and it just, it, it, you know, when you're in the right place at the right time and it all it comes together because it's clear my purpose was redefined again and it was clear. So it just all seemed to line up. Yeah. And now you are a countryside in a beautiful green and um, you have your herbal garden, vegetable garden. So from Manhattan, you have peace around you. Right. From the concrete jungle to um, the being in nature and really having a different relationship with nature. So when I think about the magic of what nature has to offer, it's plentiful here. It is literally waking up and the sun is rising and the energy starts and the birds are chirping. And it's just it's it's not unusual. I mean, this is the way people live. But to hear it versus in Manhattan, that that was not often something you would hear. You would listen to the pigeons, but not the birds. But <laughs> And an, in an interesting thing, because I know from other conversations that I think when your son was young, you went to a school 
kind of um, a trip to a farm. And that was a very interesting experience for you. That was a turning point in, in my life um, as identifying food as medicine. I went to an organic biodynamic farm with Andrew's fifth grade class. I was the class mom. And after I had tucked the children in at nighttime and I went to bed at four o'clock in the morning, I was pulled out of bed and I didn't know what it was, but I was leaning into every experience that was being presented to me. And I thought, okay, let me just get dressed and go outside. And as I walked towards the barn, I heard the hush of the farm. And I thought, this is something that I'm not familiar with. So the chickens were scratching the earth. The sun was just coming up. The chickens were scratching the earth. The cows were gently being um, milked by the farmers in such a rhythmic, rhythmic way that it felt like a symphony. Everything working together. The, the roosters were cocking and, um, and life was awakening. And that's when I realized that the real message of food is medicine. It was right there, right in front of me. The natural surroundings of this farm was so, so pleasurable to be in a major shift. And without, as you say, and the fascinating thing and the messiness of life and the not being linear, two decades later, you are living in a peaceful place where you can listen to the birds in the morning Uh, the deers outside, so much more closer to nature than you even thought possible. True, true. The migraines are gone. Um, my bones are strong. I did not take the medicine. Um, I feel very uh, grateful for the journey, uh, for all of it, the whole picture of it, and um, because it had the yin and yang attached to it. So um, it was a long, long journey. And you are just, in many ways, you are just starting because you are now doing bigger things that you're doing two or three years ago. Yeah. You are, I know that recently you were speaking in a big symposium for osteopenia and osteoporosis. How many people were for a register for it? Well, there were 46 speakers that the audience was 48,000 people. Yeah, you are stepping into bigger stages Uh, taking your message to more people around. The message of food is medicine and how do we feed our bones? Um, because ultimately <clears throat> that farm experience opened up a love affair that I had with farmers and respect for the farmers and the earth and how we can tend to the soil and having a, our own backyard farm uh, has also helped. But yeah, it all, it all came together in a very magical way. As far and, as the summit was concerned, that was an incredible summit. The speakers <laughs> on there were so dynamic. And, you know, this is what the market is looking for. They want to look for natural solutions. And this was 48 presenters talking about natural solutions, how we can get our health back. And love the energy. And for me, I think, uh, uh, and for everybody that is listening, I, I think this conversation for me uh, and was not my initially my intention I didn't yet saw that coming, but I love how you describe so well the messiness that is change. Right. How it goes back and forward, but if you keep listening, if you keep open to learning, if you keep open to try, if you keep your curiosity up, things will happen, and then you have to seize it and... Um, 
you are in a better place now. One thing that's important piece of it is the resilience. When I have some negative news and I know that I have to sit in that negative news and feel sorry for myself for a little while, get angry for a little while, and then look to see what are the possibilities, right? And what is really being asked of me? What's being shown and what direction am I supposed to go to? And then the resilience comes around. And I've noticed that working with you, Anna, and working on the programs that we're working on, that the resilience snaps back in a much shorter period of time. When I went through my divorce, it was years that I was you know, in that pain. And finally, a friend of mine said, enough with the divorce, <laughs> enough, enough. Um, and then changing Wall Street, oh, should I go, woe is me? You know, it was these, even though they were pivotal points in my life, they had a lot of angst attached to it. Did I leave at the right time? Or did I let go of women's needs? Did I, you know, but now it's like, okay, okay. It takes maybe two days or an hour to see the, the bigger picture. And that's mm-hmm. the maturity that I really appreciate hovering above looking down below and saying, it's just a moment, it's yep. just a moment. And this moment is going to change your life. And learn what needs to be learned, be resilient and okay, what's next. Right. So thank you so much for sharing your uh, from Wall Street to this more holistic mindset and way of living in all so many different ways. I think in a, anybody that is listening, uh, just uh, Keep listening to your own little whispers and uh, finding a community of people that can help you make that change is so important. So thank you so much, Irma, for being with us today here. It was great to be with you. Thank you. I so appreciate all the imprint that you've had in my life and the shifts that you've helped me go through. So thank you. Grateful. Bye. Thank you for listening and remember to visit mindset.zone. Yes, instead of .com, it's .zone. There you can find all the episodes and other amazing resources, all at mindset.zone. As always, I'm so grateful you are here. Expand what's possible. For you, for the ones around you, for the world.